you are in the perfect place at the divine time to be touched by a horse. Here's your hosts, Melissa Pierce and Dane Cheek. Hi, everybody. This is Melissa. And this is Dane. And we're happy to be back with you. We're having fun doing the podcast. We just returned from our place in California where we spent a month having a really good time. We'll have to tell you about that place sometime. It's a lot of fun. And it's early May as we're recording this. And in early May annually, we have poop day. So what did you do today, dear? I delivered poop to the vet. (laughs) And you did a good job. So you know? It, okay. it got there. It yeah. got there. So for those of you who have horses, maybe a few of you who don't, we live in a really sandy soil here where our ranch is located. And I've always been in sandy soil with horses. I grew up in Arizona and all of my Arizona facility, the horses were on a lot of sand. And here they're in pastures and they're out grazing, but they're grazing and based in, in sand uh, soil. And so it's a big concern and always has been for me in my whole career with horses because I remember studying with vets and looking at horses that have been autopsied and getting the education around something called an entrolith. And the entrolith is like a piece of sand is sort of how a pearl is formed. Everything collects around it and calcifies. And I've seen entroliths that have been removed autopsy on a horse as the size of baseballs and it can cost a horse its life. You don't usually know they have an entrolith till an autopsy, but they'll have repeated mild colic. Uh, over and over and over and enough colic that you're calling a vet out a lot and eventually it can be deadly for the horse. So we have a sand protocol and one part of it is the first seven days of the month from the first to the seventh we feed a sand preventative product. There's many of them on the market and it's kind of like Metamucil for a horse if you will. And so from the first to the seventh they're all on the sand product and then once a year we take this poop in individually and thank you Carrie who, who works for us on the barn currently. We clean the stalls, lock the horses in for breakfast so that we know that the feces is that particular horse's feces. We have one gallon baggies and we get a few of the road apples and put them in a baggie that has that horse's name on it. And once they're all collected, then they're taken over to the veterinarian, which is what we had Dane do for us today. We live pretty close, small towns, a couple miles away is our vet. And they will take each baggie individually. They weigh it. They do a worm check to see if there's any worms. We're also very strict on worm protocol, so I don't think they'll find any worms. But they give us an indication of what each horse needs going forward for their worm care. And then they spin it. It's pretty fun to watch. They have a machine that spins with water added to the poop and all the sand sinks to the bottom of the bag and the poop floats. And you can find out if your horse has sand in their gut and if they're carrying the sand and the vet can make recommendation of more. We've been really blessed the last five years. We have not had sand and I swear it's because we buy the expensive sand preventative every month and feed it to them. So if you don't know that already about horses and you live in a sandy climate, which is basically the western half of the United States, might be something you want to talk to your veteran about and see if you want to add it in to your annual protocol for giving them the best care you can. Okay, so topic today, I tell you, 
people have been so sweet to write really kind things to our email and texting me and everything else about our podcasts. We appreciate that. And sometimes they come up with a topic and I had somebody write and they said, we know you and Dane have been together a long time, married and living together before you were married and you had young kids when you got together. And so how did you pull off a happy blended family? And I I would say we did pull off a very united, close, happy family. Yeah, there was uh, challenges here or there, just like any family. But for the most part, Three great kids. Yeah, absolutely. So my son Cody was already an adult, a young adult out of the house and entering his adult life and all of that. And then Molly was 13, maybe just a little over 13. And Kevin was just a little over 11. Right. Somewhere in there. Close enough, somewhere in there. And we knew that we were, I think as we compared notes later anyway, The way I would put this in words and correct it, Dane, if you feel differently, but I would say both of our exes were very lucky because both of our exes were really good people. Oh, yeah. 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 Right? Even though the marriages didn't work in the long haul, there were different influencing factors in both of them and all kinds of stuff. So even though both of us felt complete with those marriages and didn't know each other when we were married to either ex, when we met, we had a good two and a half years of being single and being apart from them and raising kids kids are part of raising our kids alone and all of that. And, and I wasn't looking for a mate. And I think you said you weren't either at the time. No, I sort of sworn things off for (laughs) a little bit. (laughs) There we go. And we put our funny meat story we met on a plane. So we put that on an earlier podcast. But the point of this of becoming a blended family, I think we did a few things pretty well. Molly had an extremely complicated chronic health life from birth until her passing at age 24. And it wasn't mild. It was in and out of the hospital a lot, several times a month, sometimes several times a year, but several times a month. So that was a lot. And my career being an entrepreneur involved a lot of odd hours, a lot of traveling and all that kind of thing. So when we first started dating, both of our kids, as I remember it, were really pro us. They liked our coupleship. I think all three of them did. Well, all three did. Yes. 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 Not leaving Cody out of it, but he didn't have to look up close and personal at it, you know, whereas right. the, the young'uns, they, we'd be dragging them to dinner with us and we'd be taking them to little outings, we thought, and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And her being older than him, I think was a plus. She was, because of her illness, she was homeschooled more than in a regular school. So she didn't have a lot of interaction with kids. She did, but not a lot of interaction with other kids. She had some really dear friends and and that kind of thing, but not a traditional get up in the morning, go to school, you know, regular kid life. And, you know, at that time, of course, Kevin had been living with his mom and he was supposed to get out of bed and go to school. And some mornings he'd give her a pretty good hassle about that being a young kid. But that's how I remember that they both, we'd go to dinner, they would talk like they were blood brother and sister. I mean, they'd one minute share some funny story together and, and another time they'd be giving us a tough time. And the next thing we'd know, we'd hear them yelling at each other. Right. Just typical. Yeah. Just really typical teens. But Molly, she was mature beyond her years as far as her knowledge. Mm Mm-hmm. 
But as far as her social skills... Yeah, she was behind. Yeah. Yeah, she was behind. They probably were on kind of a level playing field of 11-year-olds in that way, you know, in in that way for sure. But she had had life experiences that Kevin couldn't have imagined. The horrors, really, of what she went through. And so we knew coming together that we had some explaining about her to him. Cognitively, she was bright. Physically, she was beautiful. You know, lots of things like that, but complicated and she had one whole room that was all her medical needs and her medical stuff and then a pass-through bathroom in her bedroom and there was IV bags and it was a complicated life for her for sure and and for me as caregiver for her for sure and 13 is not the sweetest age of daughters (laughs) right the whole mother-daughter thing which I had to learn uh you know, while I was going through it. Was, you know, it, was it scary? To do the baby steps and then <laughs> finally giving up and saying, you take care of this. You guys deal with that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So she and I, I think we're super close, maybe a little enmeshed because of her hospital needs. And we also had a normal mother-daughter relationship with a 13-year-old daughter that, you know, is precocious and thinks she knows everything and, and me trying to probably overprotect her. So, yeah, so we had the same thing. Many of you who have 13-year-old daughters understand it's a complicated dynamic. How's that for being polite? You know, you were working for the government. You always have. When when you were really young, weren't you, when you started? With yeah, the I, I started with them four months out of high school. Wow. Yeah, in 1977. Well, you don't have to give your age away. Well. (laughs) (laughs) But just out of high school, and you were in Virginia. Right. And then you took a government transfer out to Denver. Is that right? I did. Yeah. But I remember you saying this when we got married. Only married you for your health insurance. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It was a joke. I'm glad you're laughing. Yeah, as an entrepreneur, health insurance is one of the pricier things that you have to buy and you have to keep in mind. And he is on the original government pension plan, which was obliterated many years ago. Right, but if you're right. hired under it, you stay under it. And so he has this incredibly good health insurance for the rest of his life. And I'm married to him, so I have it for the rest of mine too. So yeah, it was pretty fun. It was meant to be a joke. See, this is really more behind the scenes in these podcasts <laughs> than what I planned for. Somebody asked us the other day, you guys write a, like a script for it or something? We go, no, we wing it. We wing it one take all the way through. I am sweating bullets because I don't know what's going to come out of his mouth most of the time. So Oh, okay, back to our to our dating times. So your ex had custody of Kevin and Kevin lived with her. And then it really became clear that it would be in Kevin's best interest if he lived with us full time. Yeah. And Susie she, loved him and wanted to have the best for him. She also had a full time job trying to you provide bet. for herself as well. You bet, as an architect, which isn't easy. And so anyway, parentally, we all agreed that it was better for Kevin to come and live with us full time. And I loved it. I loved that whole chapter of my life being a mom. I loved, you know, bringing him into our household. I loved hearing the kids. What I remember, I don't remember what they were, they were spoofing a video, a funny video, and they came down to show it to us. And I don't remember if it was Borat. It was some movie they had seen and they were doing a video spoof of it. And they're laughing and laughing, having the best time. And then they'd run down and tell us, look what we made, look what we made, this little film. And there's probably nothing Molly couldn't do 
on a computer. So she, right. she, she was a yeah. little wizard with all of that stuff for sure. Cody was, as I said, a young adult kind of off on his own doing his thing. Molly was doing well in her homeschooling, the way she was doing her schooling because of her illness. She could do that and take it to the hospital and kind of keep up with things. Kevin, however, you asked me after we had been dating a little bit and I'd gotten to know Kevin some and we'd go to David Buster's and right, you know, right. different places playing with the kids on the weekends and stuff. And you literally seriously asked me, you said, this is the hardest question to ask you, but because you're a psychotherapist, I'm wondering your opinion on this. Do you think Kevin has a learning disability? And I remember thinking, what? I said, no, I, I've seen him read. I've been around him. He's very bright. He's super intelligent. He catches on to things quickly. I don't see any learning disability. Why, why are you concerned about that? And you presented to tell me that he was in, what were the classes he was in? The advanced yeah. class? International Barca Lounger. Ba- ba- Baccarat, International <laughs> Baccarat, whatever IB stands for. You can tell we're not teachers, but yeah, he was in the advanced classes right, in right. school. And it Young was a little, kid. Yeah, it was a little too much for him. Yeah. Junior high. Most junior high boys struggle in school. Right. But he was failing in almost every class. And so your concern was he might have to repeat eighth grade. You know, this is really a serious thing. So once he was going to move in with us, and I am not a government employee. And so being an entrepreneur, I've done well for myself. And I had a nice home and a Corvette in the garage and Escalade and all that kind of, all the toys and trappings and stuff and my horses in a barn. And Kevin looked at my lifestyle and being a young 11, you know, year old kid, he's looking around going, sweet, this is really nice. You know, you asked me to have a talk with him. So I did. So I sat him down and I said, today is the day, Kevin, that you're going to take the reins of your life. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, up until now, up until the age you are now, if you did something goofy as a kid, like you spent the night at somebody's house when you're in the second grade and you thought you liked their uh, little car that they played with and it was cooler than yours and so you took it home. Your dad could take you back to their house, have you apologize, get you out of trouble for basically stealing it. You know, I mean, kids do things and parents back them up and teach them life lessons and, and do all of that. But today, now that you're older, if you see something that belongs to someone else or you go in a store and you decide you need to take something that doesn't belong to you. It's serious because it's a a mark on you. It's not something your dad or I can go down to the owner of the store and just talk you out of, you know? And I said, or let's say, let's roll forward a few years and you're 14 and another kid who's 16 and just got his driver's license has been drinking, but he says, come on, Kev, it'll be fun. I'll give you a ride home and it's good. You can see my dad's car. It's really cool. It goes fast. We can't buy you out of a wheelchair. We can't buy you out of a trauma of a terrible wreck because somebody's been drinking. Those are the decisions as you get older that are yours to make because we're not standing there every moment of your life. And if you decide to sleep in every day instead of going to school and you decide to get bad grades in school, if that's what you do and you never make it out of high school and that's what, how you run your life, again, we can't buy you out of that and we won't buy you out of that. And so you'll be done at 18 probably ready to go out and live on your own. And how do you think you want to live? Do you want to live in an apartment? You want to rent a room somewhere? Like, what do you think you want to do? He's 11, right? 
So he says to me, oh no, I'm going to get an apartment with a cool music system. And you know, he's got this all figured out. So are you basically going to take the bus everywhere? No, no, no. I'll have a car. I'm going to have a really cool car. I've already thought about this car and that car. And he was like all into the vision of all that. I said, so you know, like, who's going to buy you the car? Well, I think I'll buy the car. I'll be able to buy the car. Maybe my dad will help me a little bit, but I'll buy the car. Okay. Who's going to pay your rent? Well, I'd pay the rent. Oh, okay. So let's just for fun, let's just look at it and work up a budget. So we got the paper and looked at what apartments rented for. His job was on the floor. What car payments average for a decent car, nothing great. You know, kind of walked him into reality with this is what it's going to cost at 18 or 19 years old to do that. And this is what you're going to earn if you don't have a high school diploma. And, you know, this is the average person. And I just went by averages. I do know, please don't email me and tell me this person only had an eighth grade graduation and they're a millionaire. That is exceedingly rare. So I was giving him the averages. So I said, you're basically your grades in school right now, which are so bad, you might have to repeat eighth grade. Your grades are your paycheck. That's sort of at your age, that's your paycheck. You're not getting a good paycheck right now, are you? He goes, nope. And I said, and I know you're bright. I know you can do this, but I can't do it for you. Your dad can't do it for you. You have to want to do this, Kevin. You have to want to do it for you, not to make us happy, not so your dad's proud of you, not so I think you're a swell kid because I already think you're a swell kid and so does he but because inside you you want it for you you want to build a life starting now taking the reins of your life making the best choices you possibly can make not drinking and driving not drinking underage not getting a car with somebody else that drives like an idiot not taking something that doesn't belong to you you know the basics but a big one is get out of bed and go to school and do what your teachers ask you to do they don't ask for too much do what they ask you to do. So he heard all of this and he recognized because of the budget example that he did not want you. When we worked it all out, what he would be earning at 40 hours of working at a fast food place, what he would be earning and what he could afford, the kid was going to walk or bike a lot and he was going to rent a room in a not cool place to live. from somebody else and I mean he he recognized right away that wasn't what he wanted it wasn't what he wanted for himself so he took the reins of his own life and he's told me many times that that really did hit home for him because it wasn't go to school because I'm going to be mad at you if you don't or go to school because your dad will you know want you to be in school or anything else it's really for yourself yeah but also another big part of it was the uh change of environment, having like a a stable family again, Mm -hmm. you know, and every child with a divorced parent has to go through that. Yeah. You know, and eventually, or hopefully, everything starts coming back together and they feel pretty much in a safe place. Yeah. Which in turn probably helped his grades out as Uh, well. That's true too. Help maybe motivate him to want to do well, you know, in his life. I think we were very blessed. Touched by a Horse offers three comprehensive programs giving you the ability to have the career you've always dreamed about, working in partnership with the magic of horses. Our equine facilitator program provides you with the skills to build a thriving business hosting group experiences with horses. 
Our Equine Gestaltist program prepares you to open your own private Gestalt practice in partnership with horses. And our Master Equine Gestaltist program builds your Gestalt skills both in and outside the round pen. All of our programs include in-depth live classes, business growth training, and a supportive community of herd members to collaborate with and learn from. Visit our website at touchedbyahorse.com to learn more about which program is right for you and your healing herd. Kevin, Molly, Cody, all extremely smart, easy kids to raise, other than Molly's health issues. They wanted to do well in life, but I think they also saw you hardworking, going to work. You know, you've never been somebody foolish with money. You've always, you know, paid for your cars and driven nice cars and, you know, done everything kind of the best you could on a government salary for him and everything else. And for me, entrepreneurism can be up and down and there's lean years and strong years and all of that. But one area you and I got together and laughed about in the very beginning, besides the fact we both like to be at the airport early. But other than that was we're both really responsible financially with money. It's not about how much money you have, it's how you manage it, Right. right? So we both had the same kind of ideas around not spending money on foolish things and had to tell you several times the horses were not foolish but you know (laughs) going through that because they are expensive that's for sure to maintain well they are expensive but I think that we were pretty blessed with that we did a lot of trips with them we'd go to Cody's bike races you know like we went to Ogden Utah got a hotel four of us were in the hotel and go to his race and watched him doing his mountain bike or his triathlon races at that time and things like that and just in every way we could really spent time with them and the hard part for me of course was that Molly's health was not strong and so many nights after Kevin moved in and you moved in many nights there'd be a tap on the bedroom door mommy I need to go to the hospital and she could be fine at 6 p.m and in extreme emergent danger two hours later so it was not an easy life at all and Kevin to his credit would stay home and go to school and do everything he needed to do while we went to the hospital and and got her everything she needed in the emergency room and then she'd be there you remember for oh yeah a, a couple days to a couple weeks each time so it would upset the family apple cart for sure but remember the first time he came to the hospital to see her when she was really sick and on IV and laying in that bed and all the tests and everything else happening and I don't think he had ever seen anything no, like not that at all. in his not life at all. before and so and he was he, he is a naturally kind person he's just Kevin's one of the kindest hearts that I know of in the world and he would do his very best to be just so supportive and kind to her. I would like to say she was as kind to him, but not always. I remember when he started high school in our area. And of course, he didn't have any prior friends at all. His friends were about an hour away. Right. They were, which is a long ways right, when right. you're a kid. That's, it's forever. You're not driving or anything. So they were a long way. And he is an extrovert and he is fun. He's tall and, you know, has a lot of good things going for himself. And so he goes, 
goes to this brand new high school, and the high school was pretty new. Maybe it was a couple of years old when he went to it. Yeah, we started I think so. It. Yeah, it was a really nice high school. So we get him enrolled there, and he's a big kid, so the football coach came right over. Oh, nice to meet you. And he's like, I don't want to play football. He didn't want to hurt anybody, so he wasn't into football. So anyway, he starts school. He comes home the first day. You weren't home from work yet, and he walks down the spiral staircase down into my office. And I said, well, how was it? And he said, good. You like your teachers? So far. First day, right? So far. Give a bunch of homework? Not yet. First day. I said, okay, good. Did you make any friends? No, not yet. All right. Second day. Comes down the spiral staircase, big smile on his face. I ask him the same questions. And when I get to, you make any friends? He goes, lots of them. Lots and lots and lots of friends. And all through high school, he always had a lot of good friends. And uh, sometimes I felt like it was the attack of the locusts when I'd go to the grocery store and then all the boys would come over. And I'd say, how do you guys know which mom went to the store on what day? Like you have some radar as to what mom has the fresh food in the house. I didn't always have a lot of food in the house. And that was one reason. But they'd clear out the cabinets pretty well, eating everything. I can recall him and his friends, they didn't have their driver's license yet, and they'd always want to go eat some fast food. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Molly had had her license. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That was fun. Yeah, they had, Molly and Kevin had rooms on the third floor of that house, real pretty Tuscan Italian house. And they were on the third floor. We were on the middle floor and my offices were on the first floor, the basement floor. And it worked out great. Everybody kind of had their space and, you know, it worked out really well. And I think that helped us a lot as a blended family as well. She was messy, so she could keep her messy room messy. He's a neat freak. He could keep his room neat. They didn't have to share a lot of that or, or anything else. But I think what you're talking about is my entrepreneurial daughter. Exactly. Yeah, right. And that's that's a good memory. We'd hear her. We stayed out of it. See, I think that's one of the things we did well with the blended family thing. We stayed out of it. We'd laugh when they weren't standing right there. I don't know to this day if Kevin knew that we knew the scam she was pulling on him or not. She had a little PT cruiser and he had a passion for Taco Bell. And the Taco Bell was how far from that? farm. I bet you it was seven miles away. Yeah, probably seven miles. She had nothing to do. She's a homeschool kid. She had nothing to do. So it wasn't that. She might be on her computer with a friend or something. And so he'd come in, come on, come on, take me to Taco Bell, please, please, please. And I'd hear her sometimes, no, Kevin, get out. And she'd slam her door. And other times she'd go, fine. But what was happening behind the scenes is she was charging him gas money. Now a PT cruiser's how many miles to the gallon probably? Maybe 35? Yeah, Yeah. like a lot, right? And gas wasn't what it is today. So she was charging him sometimes like $5 for the round trip. And he was wanting to go a lot. Sometimes more than that, if she could get more than that, she'd say, you don't understand, Kevin, gas is expensive. He's still too young to have figured out miles per gallon and the cost. He had no idea. And she was saying to him, well, you know, I have to get up. I have to get dressed. I have to take you there. It's a big deal. I want this kind of money. So he'd be going for 99 cents worth of all this Taco Bell food that he could eat. And she didn't eat food, so she wasn't usually eating anything with it. She just liked the sauce. And, and she'd be highway robbing that boy right to go (laughs) did you did you have a part in that i did not i was proud of her though (laughs) 
<laughs> Secretly, I was very proud of her. I thought that was pretty smart. So yeah, so that was fun. They really were such good kids. And oh yeah, Kevin being a little on the OCD side, he was as clean and orderly as she was sloppy and piggy. So she was very casual about how she kept her room and everything else. And he was very orderly kind of about his. But they were both respectful. They were both kind and respectful and and pretty easy kids that way for sure. So I don't know. Did we have trouble with either of them over the years? I mean, real trouble. Right. None of them got into drugs or drinking or any of that. So we're pretty blessed that way. I remember Kevin, we were away at Vail, you and I. Oh yeah. A rare little weekend away, not working. Right. A little getaway. I guess that's about when the social media thing was coming out. He made a big mistake. He announced he was having a party on social media. Somehow the kids knew. I don't know if it's social media or phone calls or what, but yeah, that's a memory. So we had so little trouble with both these kids, but I would say that was the most serious thing he ever did that that we know of. (laughs) We'll say that, that we found out about. So we're away. And when we went away for a romantic weekend together or just some space and time as parents together, as they had gotten older, what we really knew was that we needed to stay vicinity-wise pretty close to Molly. Because if she had a crisis, we need to be no further than a two-hour drive to meet her at the hospital. So our getaways usually stayed fairly close to the farm. But that weekend, she was down in Phoenix at her dad's. And that also was rare. But when she felt good enough to do it, she'd fly down there and she'd have fun and she'd see her dad and stuff. So she's down there. Kevin's at the house alone, but we knew he was a little too young. He was 16 to have him at the house alone. So I had one of my employees agree that he'd stay on site and he would check on him. And as I understand the story, we were barely out of town when Kevin talked to my employee, Kelly, into going home. Kelly, you don't want to... you know, stay here overnight. I mean, they're so ridiculous. You don't have to stay here overnight. Just call me tonight. I'll tell you what I'm up to. And, you know, I've got homework to do. And he he sang the good kid story and Kelly fell for it. So Kelly went home, which was close to our ranch, but not that close. He went home and Kevin said he, he invited a few friends over. Might have turned out to be 40 50. Yeah. What's yeah. that movie where all the kids are having the party in the parents' house? Yeah. yeah. So my beautiful, beautiful home. And we find out on Sunday morning, we get a call from my employee, Kelly. And he, I could tell, was sick to his stomach. He said, I have something terrible to tell you. So of course, my brain goes first to Molly. Nope. I haven't heard anything about her. I think she's fine. Good. Then it goes to Kevin. Is he okay? He said, he is okay, and he may not stay that way very long. They had a party in the house. And I said, what are you trying to tell me? And he starts describing the nightmare party in this house that had gotten way out of control. Things were broken. Things, you know, it it was nasty. It was really bad. And so I ended up, I was angry. I will say this one a few times. I was truly angry about Kevin's behavior. He didn't give me much reason to be angry ever before that. And so I had him get on the phone with me. I stayed really calm and I said, we will be home. And when we get there, that house better look great. Do you hear me? Nobody there, just you. 
and we're coming now. We were about two hours away and he knew that. So yes, ma'am, I'm so sorry. He's crying, you know, he hangs up the phone. He starts cleaning up the house and Dane says, okay, I can probably get you there in just a little. I said, oh no, 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 no. We're going to go to the art market. We're going to have a great day because he's going to sweat bullets until we get home. Yep, yep, yep. I knew he was a kid with a conscience. So we waited. I don't think we got home till probably 4.30 in the afternoon. Right. He spent that entire day scared about what was going to happen and and everything that was going to go on. And he had done a pretty decent job of oh, yeah. fixing things and cleaning things and kicking his friends out and peeling them off the floor and telling them to get out of he was very sorry and he wrote a really kind letter to both of us i still have that letter i should have got it out for this apologizing and why it was right. important we can trust him and all that kind of stuff well that's fair now i know molly's no longer on the planet but we should equal the stories what do you, what do you have on molly like what what was what was the hardest or the toughest time that you went through with molly that we went through with molly i mean our illness was one but yeah I remember, I think it was the first day that she had her driver's license. And yeah. uh, she was up at the Safeway in Boulder. She was on the transplant list. I know the story right, you're getting right. ready to tell. She was yeah. on the transplant list right. with a pager because if they called with the organ transplant, we had to jet off really fast to get it. And she begged us to let her go by herself to drive. I do remember that. Please, please, please. I'm like, no, the transplant will happen while you're driving. No, it won't. It won't. And she begged. Yeah. yeah. So it was like, what, what was it? Two lanes of traffic going opposite directions. Mm-hmm. And then the one lane had opened up a gap and then was waving her on. I think she went to Safeway or something. She just went to a grocery store. And then was waving her on to go past the other lane to turn. Yeah. And then a car T-boned In the second lane. Yeah, the first lane said, go ahead. She went out. She's, you know, first time driving, right? She comes out and the car's on her left. She's deciding to make a left instead of a right. And she comes across the first lane. And instead of looking, is the second lane going to stop for me? And the guy didn't, and he T-boned her bad. Yeah. Yeah. So we got a hysterical call on that. Oh my gosh. I was, I was scared for her health. I was scared for her, you know, with this change, her reality with the transplant. I mean, there was a thousand things, much less the car, which didn't matter compared to everything else. But you went down, you were the hero on that one because I was too much of a wreck. So I went to make sure she was okay, but you dealt with police with her and you, you dealt with all of that right, with her right, so right. well. And she was very grateful because she knew if I had done it, she would have been in a lot more strife, I think. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, like with both of them, we pretty much gave them the benefit of the doubt yeah. on a lot of things because they were both great kids. They're really good, really good kids. We were very fortunate. All three kids have been super. And yeah, so I, I don't know. Would you have any, like, if you knew somebody personally who had an 11 year old son and he's in love with a woman who has a 13 year old daughter and they're going to move in together, do you have any, like, would you have tips or anything for how to make a blended family work? We make it sound easy. I know there were times it wasn't, but I don't remember you and I ever one time arguing between us about them. Right. I always felt it was you and I versus the right. two of them. <laughs> I mean, it was there was a learning curve as far as how to deal with 
the discipline thing, mm -hmm. you know, but other than that, we pretty much talked it out and mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I think there's probably things both those kids did that we just never found out about, but I will tell you, and now they'll find out about this, but there were times you and I knew a lot of things they didn't know we knew about exactly, right? and used yeah. it to, to the greatest benefit. So we didn't keep secrets, you and I, from each other at all. Right. But I do remember one time you had grounded Kevin from driving his truck to school and I came out early in the morning and he was driving back in and the car was still making the hot car sounds and stuff. And I opened the back door and he's coming up the door and he wanted to die on the spot. And he's like, oh my God, don't tell my dad. Don't tell my dad. Don't tell my dad. And I said, hmm, all right. I won't tell your dad if you'll do this, this, and this. So he was kind of my little slave for a little while. But of course I told you right away. And exactly. Said, you you yeah. can't tell him that I kn leverage, that you know. Right? Leverage, yeah. <laughs> you gotta get the leverage where we can, right? But honestly, just incredibly great kids. And someday when I have the fortitude, I will tell you guys Molly's story as it's a powerful story. And Kevin, if you ever listen to this podcast at all, thank you for being such a great brother to her and so loving to her. And uh, I love you for being such a great stepdad. Right. And I love you as well. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thank you. Hope all of you have a great day. We want to remind you these podcasts are brought to you by Hope Through Horses. And Hope Through Horses is a nonprofit that supports our touch by a horse company and all of our certified practitioners and the public who may have a needs base of wanting to have work with one of my graduates on trauma you've been through, or maybe you're creating a blended family. We have certified practitioners all across the United States, throughout Canada, and in five different countries. So please, if you have a need for our type of therapy work and gestalt work, or you want to work with the horses, let us know. We'll match you with the best graduate that we can and give you the best fit we can. And check out Hope Through Horses. They do a lot to support people that want to either have a little assistance in tuition into our program or assistance in getting the work that they need for themselves or their family. Thank you all so much and have a very blessed day. Talk to you later. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Touched by a Horse podcast. If you'd like more information about anything we've talked about on the show today or our certification program, please visit our website at touchedbyahorse.com. That's touchedbyahorse.com. Or contact our office by phone at 303-440-7125. Also, be sure to keep up with us on social media. We're at Touched by a Horse on both Facebook and Instagram. See you around the barn and on the next episode.